we're kind of missing the boat here in the 21st century by talking about time management, time management, time management, when really I think this is the century of energy management. Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, where it's all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. I'm your host, Peter Margaritas, the self-proclaimed chief edutainment officer of my business, The Accidental Accountant. My goal is to provide you with thought-provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 35 of Improv is No Joke podcast. Thank you very much for downloading this episode. Today's guest is Greg Kondaraci, who's the author of the book, Getting Up, Supercharging Your Energy, along with being a marketing and energy consultant, speaker, facilitator, trainer, and teacher. Greg and I spend time discussing the difference between time management and energy management, Greg believes that we've moved away from those old-time management techniques into a new and more productive method of managing our energy. Now, Greg knows energy. He is 66 years old and has ridden his bicycle across the United States of America in 18 days, averaging 150 miles a day. That's right, you heard me. So let me rephrase my opening sentence to, Greg is an expert on energy management. Anyone who can accomplish such a monumental undertaking is an expert in my book. If you're a CPA, accountant, or anyone that's entering their peak revenue season, this podcast is a must-listen. Greg provides a number of tips and techniques on how to get the most energy out of us and how to generate more energy when we need it. And I'll give you a little hint on one of his tips. And it's as simple as getting enough sleep. I know it's simpler said than done, but if you can get seven hours of sleep a night, just that will help increase your energy and productivity. After we finished this interview, I decided to make this a three-part series, with this episode being titled Physical and Intellectual Energy. The second part will be titled Emotional Energy, and the final part will be titled Spiritual Energy. The other two parts will air in the spring and in the fall. Now, one of my goals with this podcast is that it will help you begin to make changes in your work and personal lives so you can better connect with others and create meaningful relationships. Many people have said it takes 21 days to start a habit, but it takes a lifetime to keep that pattern. That's why I created the Yes And Challenge, to help keep these principles in front of you so you can build up your improvisational muscle. To sign up, please go to my website, petermargaritas.com, and scroll down to the Yes And Challenge call to action and click to register to begin building the productive habit of Yes And and the principles of improvisation. And remember to share your experiences on Twitter using the hashtag Yes And Challenge. Now, if you're unsure of what the SN Challenge is all about, I discussed this in detail in Episode 0, so go back and take a listen. Remember, you can subscribe to my podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Along with you can purchase my book, Improv is No Joke, Use the Improvisation to Create Positive Results in Leadership and in Life on Amazon.com. It's available both in paperback and on Kindle. 
Well, with that said, let's get to the interview with Greg Kondaraci. Hey, everybody. My guest today is Greg Kondaraci, and I've known Greg, oh, been a number of years through our relationship at the Business Learning Institute. And first and foremost, Greg, thank you so very much for taking time out to be a guest on my podcast. My pleasure to be here. Thank you, Peter. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Because I could not do justice to your background, to your bio. So I'll let you handle that. Well, um, as, as you mentioned, I, I work with you uh, and a bunch of other great folks at the Business Learning Institute. Uh, I also teach at the School of Public Health at Johns Hopkins, and I do all sorts of consulting uh, and training and teaching. Uh, my favorite thing, though, is to write and talk about personal energy. Because I think that uh, essentially uh, we're kind of missing the boat here in the 21st century by talking about time management, time management, time management, when really I think this is the century of energy management. Well, I, that's a really good point. I, I, I like that. It's, it's all about energy management. And you should be the expert on energy management because you are the author of Getting Up, Supercharging Your Energy. Yes. People have been telling me for years that I ought to write a book uh, because I've been doing energy training, uh, both through the Business Learning Institute and in other places, for more than a decade. And uh, it started as uh, almost a, a hobby uh, because I am an ultra-long-distance cyclist. And uh, people would always say, gee, Greg, you know, where do you get the energy to fill in the blank? Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and I say, well, you know, this and that and whatever. And they, well, you know, you ought to write a book. And so finally, <laughs> I wrote a book. <laughs> and uh, I did that, uh, wrote the book this year uh, after riding across uh, America last year in just 18 days. And that's about 150 miles a day, which is pretty good for a 66-year-old. I was the oldest ever to complete that particular ride uh, which has been going on for for decades. So that was that was kind of a feather in my cap, you know, an old guy, Medicare card in the pocket, <laughs> and a bicycle underneath. So it was uh, a lot of fun. So 150 miles a day on average. Yeah, on some average, days 200. Some days closer to 100. Yeah. I'm, I'm exhausted just thinking about it. <laughs> I, 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 I need to. I, I need to pick up a chapter of your book right now and get super. Char- I and and I, I've known that you, you you've been an ultra cyclist for for a long time and and you've kind of inspired me to get on my bike and, and try to ride further than the end of the street and, and back to my house. <laughs> I, at one point in time, I, I was I was training to run a marathon. I used to be a runner and now I got bad knees and. and because of getting to know you just a little bit better and, and, you're, and, and hearing a lot from Pam about your cycling adventures. But I got up to, I think this year, the longest ride I had was about 26, 27 miles. It would have been longer if I had a month of bronchitis, but you were my inspiration to get on the bike and, and, and start that. And, and yes, it does take a lot, lot of energy and maybe some Red Bull and, and <laughs> to keep that going. But yeah, that, 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 that's outstanding. Thank you. And I got my AALP card, so uh, I guess that helps me. <laughs> You're now officially old. <laughs> yeah, now, now officially old, yes. <laughs> but but when you can get a discount, you know, I'll take being old for a while. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's only chronologically old. It's not necessarily physically, mentally, intellectually, or spiritually old. <laughs> that, that's true. I have a body of an 80-year-old and a mind of a 35-year-old, so I think I saw even <laughs> everything out. <laughs> 
Well, you're way ahead of me because people said yeah, I have a mind of a 12 year old. So, <laughs> so I, I like the concept of we're we, time, time. Everybody talks about time management, time management, time management. And if we think about a large portion of my audience who are CPAs and they're going to be hearing this interview latter part of January, they're going to be really needing, and I like how you put it, they're going to be needing more energy. So talk to me about, about this energy management, how, how we're in the center of energy management versus time management. Well, uh, okay, it requires actually to go back a couple of centuries uh, because uh, in the United States, uh, about 200 years ago, maybe a little more, uh, people decided that, you know, we ought to get folks off the farm and onto assembly lines because, you know, that was the whole industrial revolution. And and one of the revolutions there truly uh, was a revolution about the way people thought about time. Um, I mean, if you're on a farm, uh, you get up when the sun comes up, you go to bed when the sun goes down, uh, you're on a whole different scheme in terms of how you manage your time and manage your energy. You might think in terms of seasons that indeed most people thought uh, circularly. They thought, uh, you know, like the cycle of seasons or the cycle of years and and that type of thing. And that really is the way human beings have thought and many still do uh, for as long as human beings have been thinking. What happened, though, is on an assembly line, uh, we started to think laterally because that's the way an assembly line works. And on an assembly line, you know, uh, time is money because if the line stops, you're losing money. And if the line goes, you're making money. And so what happened is we said, you know, we really have to retrain an entire population to think time in terms of minutes, in terms of eight-hour days or 12 in those days. (laughs) And so uh, we developed an educational system of which we are all victims still today that's all time-based. You know, I mean, you have certain class periods and you're supposed to learn things. You know, you're supposed in those class periods, you're supposed to show up on time. You're supposed to pay attention. You're not supposed to ask questions. You're supposed to do what you're told. You're supposed to do your homework. And all those are good skills for people working on assembly lines. Uh, uh, You know, do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. And the assumption is, of course, that you're supposed to be just as good at two o'clock in the afternoon as you are at nine o'clock in the morning, because that's the way the line moves. And. Yeah, last century, in the 20th century, we got even more sophisticated. We got into sophisticated methods of time management and motion study and, and you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and indeed, uh, you know, many people, including myself, took those courses. But when I, when I do my training, I always ask people the same question to begin, which is, have you taken a time management course? And of course, many people have, especially CPAs, you know. And I say, did it change your life? And usually it's, <laughs> and the reason is, if you think about it, once you've cleaned your desk and organized your files and made a list and done some of the other things that time management tells you to do, you're done. You're done. And no matter what you do, you can't get more than 24 hours in the day. You're done. All right. Um, but you can get way, way, way more energy. And so, hey, you know, what are we doing? We're, we're working on a, a scarce resource. Which, which we should manage our time carefully, no question about that. But we keep thinking it's going to give us more time, and it's not, okay? Uh, so the idea is, can we just increase the amount of energy? And and that'll solve way more problems because we can do that. We definitely can do that. And the example I like to give the folks is, 
okay, it's Christmas time and you're going to get gifts. All right. And you may want to write an old fashioned thank you note, you know, and put a stamp on it and send it snail mail. <laughs> so I ask people, how long does it take to write the thank you note? And you, you know, they five minutes, five minutes. Okay. All right. How long does it take before you send the thank you note? <laughs> oh, days, weeks, <laughs> ever. Yeah. And the, the reason for that is, think about it, it's not that you didn't have the time to write the thank you note. You had five minutes, you didn't have the energy. And so the idea is to start thinking about your energy and what it allows you to do or or not do if you don't have it. And so what I'm trying to do is to convince people to change the paradigm, to shift to the idea that really it's about managing their energy and understanding their energy flows in and out, both for themselves. And, you know, this works for companies, it works for organizations, you know, it works for teams. You know, when is the energy good and when is the energy not so good? All football games last 60 minutes, but you know, you can just by watching, when I watch a lot of football, these, you know, just watch. (laughs) And you can watch the energy ebb and flow over the course of that time. Um, and that's the way life is, too. So, so anyhow, that's, that's my, <laughs> my quick overview. I, I agree. And I'm sitting there thinking about my, you know, at, at times I have a goal to write three thank you cards a day. And that would take 15 minutes. I have the energy, but other stuff get, gets in the way. And, and, and is it, are you saying that I just need to maintain that level of energy for a longer period of time? In order to get certain things done, when you know, I, I when I used to go to an office, I would always get there like an hour. You know, let's say the doors open or business begins at nine, I would like to get to about seven thirty because I got that hour and a half that nobody's really going to be bothering me. Then once once the 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 uh, open sign goes up, I can't get anything done because you've got all these uh, fires and people, these gnats coming at you, and mosquitoes are just <laughs> trying to swat away until until it closes the door. Then I can focus. So talk to me about that energy and managing that type of, of, of day. Yeah. uh, Peter, I think you're asking the question in just the right way because time managers look at that as, well, you know, you should just manage your time a little better. Energy managers uh, would look at that and say, now you see what you've got there, Peter, is you have energy sinks. You have things that happen over the course of the day that will drain your energy away. Okay. Um, so, you know, the example you gave is the perfect one, 15 minutes to write three thank you notes. Okay. So, you know, no matter how busy quote unquote your day is, you know, 15 minutes, right. You can do that. Right. Yeah. Except, except you have uh, a legion of energy sinks and distractions that are sucking away your energy. In your case, uh, frequently it's intellectual energy. All right. So your, your you know, intellectual energy organizes our lives. It focuses. It helps us do what we need to do. And, and what happens is, is that there are, are going to be a million interruptions. Every one of those interruptions is an intellectual energy sink. And some of them are interruptions that you create yourself. And some of them are ones that come in. And the, in the old, old days, uh, back before you and I had gray hair, uh, <laughs> The, the, the typical interruption that was, you know, you're in your office working away and a colleague comes in and wants to talk. They have an unscheduled meeting. That's, that's the classic interruption. Or there's a phone call. That's the classic interruption. 
Now we have much worse energy sinks. Uh, we have technology. Uh, we have instant messaging. We have texting. We have you know constant interruptions. And if that's not enough, then you know we'll go to our our, our cell phones ourselves. You know, <laughs> I wonder if I got anything. I wonder if I got to check mail. I check mail. And of course, the time managers say, well, you know. The reason that checking mail is bad is that you're going to be gone for a long time. And the reason that you're gone for a long time, the energy managers would say, is that what happens is, is that that email or uh, that peek into the computer is seductive. There are other things in there that are going to draw your energy away. Yes, your time, yes, uh, but, but mostly your energy. And what's going on today is people are trading energy willingly and, and 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 missing the whole the whole time component as well. So, what would you say the average amount of time a millennial spends on a cell phone? <laughs> yeah, all right. And we're talking three, four, five hours, um, and then we don't have any time. <laughs> well, the reason you don't have any time is that your energy is going that way. And and, and notice that. When you look in the cell phone, it's not just a matter of time. The smartphone and the computer are, are, are playing with your energy levels. You may uh, not, you know, so here it is. It's tax season and oh, another form. But look, there's a, a sale on Amazon. <laughs> and, and that and, and what, they, what they're doing is that's stealing the energy, intellectual energy away from working on that tax form. And pulling it into the sale on Amazon, which is much more tempting, you know, <laughs> uh, much more seductive, as you say, <laughs> much, much more seductive. And so it's not just a bid. It's, you know, if you, if you talk to the people who design this stuff, it's not just a bid for your time. It's a bid for your attention. It's a bid for your energy. We're living in a society where, you know, I mean, the good example that you gave is, is taxis. I have a wonderful CPA and I would gladly pay her what she charges me if it took her an hour to do my tax return instead of many hours it takes her. I'd gladly pay her the same amount, okay? Because I'm not paying for her time. I'm paying to get the tax return done. <laughs> so if she has energy-saving technology that will cut the amount of processing time in half, I don't care. I'm happy to do it because <laughs> I'm buying her intellectual energy. I'm not buying her time. I don't care how much time it takes her to do tax return, you know. And, and so her work, her the value that she adds is well worth it. Now I know that you know uh, a lot of people are saying you know value accounting, value accounting. Uh, but I can tell you that uh, my accountant has added thousands of dollars worth of value by making a five minute chance comment. <laughs> and, you know, so she can add more value in five minutes than she can add in five hours of doing my tax return. <laughs> so, uh, and that really is the way uh, this century is going. I mean, if you look at uh, people who are making fabulous amounts of money, they're making fabulous amounts of money because of the value that they're adding, not because of the time they're spending. Uh, so the old uh, model of, you know, we're working on an assembly line. I mean, you know, nobody works on assembly lines anymore, at least not many people. And so we don't have that kind of job. Why do we have that kind of mentality? Uh, let's look at where we add value. We add value with our energy. Um, I'm, I'm at a loss for words because that's, that's profound. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how profound, but it's pretty obvious. <laughs> well, it, it is, but, but you put it in a, in a completely different context. I think most 
people have ever heard because I, I go back to the time management, you know, you, and all those steps. And you're right, I, I haven't, I don't think it's really helped me over, over. But when I sit there and think about when do I get the most done, it's when I control those energy suckers or, as you like to say, vampires. Those vampires yeah. that suck, yeah. suck the energy away from you. Right, exactly. So we're looking at vampires and sinks that suck the energy away, and we're also looking at things that give you more energy. Uh, I, you know, uh, earlier in my career, I was uh, head of marketing for an investment bank, and uh, and one of the things that happened while I was head of marketing was, uh, you know, Schwab and E-Trade and all these online brokers. Okay, so before you were paying a lot of money to get your broker to execute a trade, and now it's I don't know five bucks. Okay, so. People thought, oh, wow, that's the end of brokers. We don't, we don't need brokers anymore uh, and because you know, we can execute a trade in five minutes for five bucks. What do we need a broker for? Okay? And the answer is you know, Schwab and E-Trade, they may have disintermediated a lot of pretty poor brokers, but good brokers – no, I, 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 that, that's, that's somebody who is a friend. He or she understands me. They know what I'm doing. They give me good advice. You know, I don't mind paying them more to, to do a trade. Okay. Uh, in fact, I'm happy to. In fact, where, where brokers went is, and where most investment banks have gone is, hey, you know, uh, you've got X number of dollars. We're going to charge you 1% a year to manage your money. And people do that gladly. And that turns out to be much more money than they were paying on a per trade basis. Uh, what they did is they shifted the, the, the price to value instead of having the price be something that people didn't value. Who cares how long it takes a broker to do a trade? Well, five minutes, you know, uh, I can do that for five minutes. He can do that for five minutes, but where he has value is in the interaction, interaction. And he adds value on a number of different levels, but mostly in terms of intellectual energy. I'm working on something and I can't figure out how to do it. You know, I just sent, for example, I just sent a, a note to my accountant. Uh, I sent her a quick note. She sent me a quick response. She saved me thousands of dollars. Took her, I don't know, five minutes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't, I, I, you know, so she's going to bill me for five minutes <laughs> you know, or whatever it took her. And, and you know, and, and that's silly because she added way more value. And this is what I'm always telling her. But, you know, the, the tradition in the industry is to bill by the hour. The truth is, is that a lot of people are, then they get into an argument over uh, fighting about hours and time and how long did it take you to do this? And why did it take you so long? And that's, not even the point. Well put. I mean, I've, I've been on a kick that uh, th this whole billing, charging a client by the hour is arcane and we need to move to something more of a of, of value billing of, of, here, this is what I'm going to do. This is the scope of the work that we're going to agree upon. And uh, and this is the price we're going to agree upon. And, and, and I'm not going to charge it for calling me and I'm not going to, you know, kind of nickel and dime you through the whole process. As long as we come to this agreement and anything outside of this, then that, that'll be a separate, separate agreement. And I, I know our friend, uh, Jody Paydar out of, out of Chicago, she's moved to, moved to firm long ago into, into that role, but there's still some firms out there that still do it like the, the, like the lawyers do it. And so this whole billing and it's just, you keep talking about you want to add value. The values in the product that you provide, like I said, you can get done in five minutes or it may take you five days. What's the difference? Yeah. No, I think it's a good point. I mean, 
I mean, you're much better, and there are lots of people who are, I'm sure, on the line listening, uh, who are much better at discussing the merits of value building, and that's really not <laughs> what, what my book is about, since I'm not even a CPA. Uh, but, I, but you know, for example, you know, Peter, you and I do, you know, we do public speaking gigs and so on and so forth, and, you know, I, I don't understand why you and I don't get the same amount of money for doing a luncheon speech as Malcolm Gladwell does. <laughs> I, I agree with you 100%. Because he gets 50 grand. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's a pretty good hourly rate. <laughs> yes, that is. I, I I don't mind that hourly rate that he's getting. You know, but yeah, I think I think BLI needs to be booking us at that same price. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, but but part of the, the question that you asked earlier, I think, is, and it's a question that's going to be in a lot of people's minds, which is okay, all right, now I'm facing taxis. How how do you know how do I get through this uh, like an energy manager? as opposed to getting through this uh, like a time manager. You know, my hat goes off to, to tax accounts because I think they're the, some of the toughest people on earth. And, you know, when you when you say to me, hey, Greg, I don't know how you could ride across the country <laughs> in 18 days. I say, well, I don't know how people get through taxis. I mean, <laughs> that's, I think, a lot rougher. Uh, so my hat comes off to <laughs> all of those uh, who are facing tax season right after the holidays. Uh, but, you know, but part of it is to understand that every all hours are not created equal. There are times when um, you're able to get a lot of work done and add a lot of value for clients. And there are times when you're not. And um, a, a couple of things just, you know, quickly. And uh, one of them is is this is the value of sleep. And of course, this makes a big impression on most of the people when I'm, when I'm talking. They say, well, what, 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 what can I do to get more physical energy? And I say, you know, there's only two things that I suggest. I don't go for crazy diets. I don't go for, you know, Red Bull and, you know, Starbucks double espressos and all that. I mean, just, you know, get good sleep and drink uh, a fair amount of water. And people say, well, that's it. That's it. You know, um, the average American sleeping a little more than six hours a night, which is an hour less than uh, 50 years ago, uh, which already was an hour less than 100 years ago. And so what we're doing is we're pushing back against the DNA that says you ought to go to bed when the sun goes down, <laughs> which is human DNA. I mean, that's we're pushing back against thousands of years of evolution. And we think we can do that for free. And the answer is not. Nah. We can't. And uh, I used to think I was a night person. Uh, maybe, <laughs> uh, but uh, I find you know I'm much more efficient in the morning after a good night's sleep. I can get a lot more done uh, than I can grinding away at 11, 12 o'clock. And so part of it is you know if I was going to talk to people going to the taxis, and I would say, notice your energy flows. When are you really good? When are you really strong? And I'm going to argue an extra half an hour of sleep is going to play big dividends the next day. And um, I mean, often what, what, uh, because we're so focused on time, and I am too because I was product of the same educational system you were, we're so focused on time. We think, well, uh, doing this is going to waste time. All right. And if you're doing something that recharges your battery, like sleep or anything else that's enjoyable, you find when you come back, you're much stronger, much more effective, and you can get stuff done that otherwise would take a longer amount of time. And again, since clients, 
just want you to get the, the return done, you know, I would argue you shouldn't get points for taking extra long to do the return. You should get points for getting it done effectively and efficiently and with a high quality as possible. And I know that's what people want to do. And, and so as, as you're looking forward to the tax season, it's like, well, you know, uh, notice there are some times a day that you're more effective than others. None of us are, you know, at 100% peak all day long. None of us, none of us. All right. So what I want to do is I want to schedule the most intellectually challenging stuff during the times when I'm uh, at my peak, you know, uh, intellectually. And if you look at over the course of the day, most people are really good first thing in the morning, you know, and, and most people are first thing in the morning are checking email, <laughs> which, is, which is a low energy activity. All right. So if you got a bunch of stuff to do, you know, take it on first thing in the morning and park the email for a while. Then when it comes time for a coffee break, <laughs> make it a texting break and an email break too, and then check, you know, because that doesn't take any energy at all. Many people are actually, uh, you know, very good right before lunch because, you know, you're trying to get stuff out of the way before you go to lunch and, and not so good after lunch, which is food coma time. All right. Uh, so if you, if you have to do a business meeting with a client, it's probably smarter to meet them at 1130, talk first, get that all out of the way, then have lunch and rather than to try to uh, deal with a client in the afternoon when you're both kind of in, in food coma. So the uh, understanding, you know, what are the good times of the day? What are the most effective times of the day? And scheduling your work around when you're most effective is you know, as opposed to, you know, the time management type of thing where you just kind of slice and dice. You know, when I, I did spend some time working for an accounting firm, I worked for Price Waterhouse for a while before it was Price Waterhouse Coopers a long time ago. Oh, so we're, we're alumni. I worked for Price Waterhouse before it was Coopers too. So man, we do go back a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except I was, I was a marketing guy. I wasn't a CPA. And, you know, I walked in the door. The first thing they did was hand me a Franklin planner. <laughs> And, and, you know, and, and, and I soon realized, I soon realized that it took more energy to use the Franklin planner than to do the work that I was planning. Uh, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, the no. Franklin planner is a great tool and it's great for scheduling meetings and other activity. But, um, you know, what a lot of people say is, you know, well, uh, you know, what I do is I schedule all my activities. I prioritize them. I rank them. And if you can do that and you have the discipline to do that, by all means, do that. But that takes intellectual energy. Uh, I just write stuff down. I just make lists and write stuff down because I don't want to think about it. That takes intellectual energy. All right. Um, but I, so I, I've kind of got to the point where, yeah, I make lists just like the time managers say, but I don't go through and prioritize them and everything else consciously because I think that also takes energy. And I find that I don't have the energy to do that. <laughs> I have the energy to get to my list though. And notice different times of the day, different things on the list are more attractive. Like writing thank you notes might be much more attractive when, when you're, you're having kind of low energy, uh, than tackling, you know, uh, the next chapter on your book. Because that you're going to need some high energy for. What well, you were talking about? I was saying I got a kick out of the Frank, Franklin Planner con, uh, comment because I I tell audiences I said I because I remember because I would say at the end of your day you sit down and you plan out your day for, for you plan out your next day, but every time I'd come in the next day the fires would be going in different directions. Whatever I had planned out was actually useless because other things came up that it's like to that energy I wasted all that energy the day before trying to prioritize my day in the future when just making lists 
And okay, I need to take care of this tomorrow. And and then come in and go, oh, can't do that because I got this fire going over here. I got that fire going. I got th- this client here. Yeah, I I I and I, I make I make lots of lists. I mean, I've got lists. <laughs> I got <laughs> I've got I've got lists everywhere. And I, as you were talking about prioritizing your day or, or or doing the most intellectual things when you're at your peak. So basically, I should be writing. Because I, I get more, I have most of my my best energy in the morning. So I should be doing all my writing in the morning and all the other stuff in the afternoon. However, I've got that flip flopped because I'm doing all the the low the, the energy suckers, you know, the the the, the emails and, and and a lot of you know uh, booking flights and hotel rooms and stuff. And, and then by the time the afternoon comes, I don't want to write. I don't have that energy level. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's exactly, uh, Peter, you put your finger exactly on it. And, uh, and so it's the type of thing where it's not bad to plan your day. There's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, and, uh, so the discipline of being able to do that is, is great. But, you know, I remember going to my boss and he said, well, I've got 175 things to do, Greg, and you are number 86, <laughs> you, know? you know, how long did it take you to do that? <laughs> I mean, you know, and how much energy did that take? And how did you decide I was 86 and not 87 or 84? <laughs> you know? And so, so part of it is those disciplines are not necessarily bad. And it also depends what kind of, what kind of work you're doing. And, and, and also your personality. Um, I mean, some people are better at this than others. But what you just described, for example, is the, the life of an early chronotype. Early chronotypes are better in the morning than they are in the afternoon. Most people tend to be better in the morning. Most people, most groups tend to be better in the morning than in the afternoon. And it's why, you know, in many countries, they just sort of knock off and go to sleep in the middle of the afternoon. which is not a bad strategy. There's been uh, formal studies that show that, you know, like a 15 to 20 minute nap will improve productivity, you know, 30 percent. When I was in graduate school, my professor had worked for Lyndon Johnson. And he said what Johnson would do is get up at, you know, five, six o'clock in the morning, work all day, you know, all into the afternoon, take an hour nap, get up and then work for several more hours, essentially almost two days in one, all built around that recharge in the middle of the afternoon. People are not exactly sure why that is the case, but it seems to be almost universal that we're going to have a low energy ebb in the middle of the afternoon. It's actually kind of interesting, too, because those of us who've ridden a bicycle for 24 hours a day, which I've done many times, there's also a low energy ebb in in the wee hours of the morning, like three or four o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Uh, just to let you know, uh, and it's almost biblical. You know, there, there's if you read in the Bible, they talk about how dark it is, the watch before dawn, and how difficult that is. And and it's that we're on a cycle. It seems that there's sort of a cycle, no pun intended, where those hours, you know, three, four o'clock, to, you know, two, three, four o'clock, tend to be a little low, and that's why for a lot of people it makes sense you know, really to take a nap. Now, I'm not much of a napper myself, but uh, you know that often will recharge the batteries or at least do something that doesn't require a lot of intellectual juice. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, about a power nap. And, and um, I, there, there was a firm in the Baltimore area. Uh, I was doing a presentation and I walked back and I noticed the the, the nameplate on the uh, door said relaxation room. Mm-hmm. I went, oh, 
what the heck is a what? And and I and I opened the door and it was, there was a, a a lazy boy recliner and you know the 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 uh, some water going in in the background and I asked about it. They said, yeah, if if you need to go take a 15, 20 minute power nap, go in the room, close the door, you can do that. And I went. Wow, that's kind of revolutionary. And and my 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 wife has aunts who still uh live in Athens in Greece and, and that afternoon nap, they swear by it. But they're they're also eating dinner at ten o'clock at night. I mean their day kind of shifts out when you take that 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 siesta that you know, I guess you still have, you have that energy that they, they worked at like maybe seven or eight and then they have dinner and then they're up till the wee hours of the morning. Then they're, it's, it's, just, it's a, it's a weird cycle, but they swear by taking that. And even if you can't fall asleep, even if you just rest your mind, because my other question to you is we all have very busy lives. We all got a lot of stuff going on. And, and sometimes I have a hard time falling asleep when I've got too much going through my head and I'm thinking about stuff and and, and how do you stop that outside of drinking yourself to sleep? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't recommend that. Um, Yeah. Actually don't recommend it for a couple of reasons because (laughs) as you know, as people who do that will tell you that gets you to sleep. But then in the middle of the night you wake up often, you know, there's that kind of alcohol bounce. Again, I'm not a physician, but there is this sort of phenomenon where if you do that, you don't sleep all that well all night long. But but part of it is 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 discipline, and it's not much of a discipline. Uh, but if uh, if I've had a busy day, um, what I, if I'm going to go to bed, I try to come up with something that is not intellectually, particularly intellectually challenging. Um, you know, so, you know, that's the time of day to watch the YouTube video. That's the time of day to, to, uh, to read a book or something that doesn't, it doesn't take a lot of juice. Uh, what the danger is, of course, a lot of people say, well, I'll just check Facebook. Well, (laughs) what happens is a, uh, you're going to see something on there. That's going to give you a shot of energy, either positive or negative, and that's going to get you cranked. And, and then you're, you know, you're into the night. And I mean, there are lots and lots of people, of course, you know, wake up in the middle of the night and they, you know, they check email and boy, I'll tell you uh, what that does is it just sucks you into the machine for half an hour, 45 minutes, charges you up even more. Uh, so it's worthwhile having a little discipline about what you're putting into your head just before you go to bed. Now, part of it also is, uh, you know, as a writer, and I know you are too, oftentimes I will tell myself, uh, you know, not right before I'm going to bed, but you know, you know, that, you know, I really need to work out how I'm going to say something and I can't quite get there. So I'm going to just sleep on it. Yeah. (laughs) And so, and I'll wake up in the morning with the answer. Right. Um, so the brain scientists tell us that, that the mind is is working on stuff all night long. And uh, so part of what I do as, as an energy manager is I, I let my brain do a little bit of work for me when I'm asleep because, uh, you know, that thing that I'm struggling to do at 11 o'clock at night, boy, if I, if, if I just park it at 10, do something mindless, lets me go to sleep, uh, I'll wake up in the morning with the answer. And there, there's solid brain science behind that. Uh, the, the story that I think is fascinating is uh, they've done research with rats. 
where uh, they take the rat and they run it through a maze and the rat learns the maze. And then, uh, and, and of course, because it's a rat, they have these electrodes in its brain and they can see what maze behavior looks like in a rat's brain on a you know functional MRI. And what they discover is when the rat goes to sleep, it actually replays the maze over and over and over again in its head, hundreds of times while it's asleep. And the next morning, it knows how to do the maze. But if you wake up the rat every time that pattern hits the head, okay, you know, the equivalent of an all-nighter attack season, (laughs) (laughs) when when you wake up, when, when, when the rat tries to do the maze the next morning, it can't do it. It hasn't learned the maze, right? So a lot of the learning and a lot of the stuff that, you know, that's enormously powerful to be, you know, smarter and better at our job comes out of sleep. The scariest stuff is they've discovered that a lot of the cleaning out of the waste products that the brain generates over the course of the day doing tax returns gets cleaned out while you sleep. And so if you don't sleep, you don't clean that stuff out, which is why you're so fuzzy, you know, after an all nighter or after not getting, you haven't literally have not cleaned the waste products out of your brain. And that only occurs while you sleep. The long-term scary thing is it, it, you know, lack of sleep, lack of clearing out those waste products seems to be related in some way, shape or form to Alzheimer's. So we wonder, gee, why are so many people getting Alzheimer's? Hmm, hmm. And we're sleeping two hours less than we used to. Hmm, I wonder if there's any connection. So, so part of it is the main advice for taxis is, you know, I know it seems weird, but get more sleep, you get, <laughs> you get more done uh, and much more effectively. And, you know, this is from a guy who races bikes, you know, uh, I mean, 200 or more miles a day. And when you're doing that, uh, especially over several days, the main thing you need is you you need to get sleep. And uh, if you don't get sleep, then you're not nearly as effective. I mean, at one time. I was uh, working to qualify for Race Across America, which is the equivalent of uh, a marathon or qualifying for Boston. And in order to do that, uh, you had to be able to ride uh, 500 miles in two days. And um, (laughs) so when I was doing that, I had lots of friends who said, Greg, don't sleep. You won't have time to sleep. Don't sleep. You you know, you got to ride 250 miles a day on average. Don't sleep. I said, that's not going to happen. I'm going to sleep. And it turned out uh, now, do I, did I sleep eight hours? No. I mean, it's a race. Okay. But you know, but, uh, but what I would do right in the middle of the race, I'd stop, check into a hotel, uh, take a shower, go to bed, get a real, you know, real three, four, five hours worth of sleep and then race again. And, you know, uh, even though I was an old fart, I was still able to do 500 miles in 40 hours. And a lot of guys who decided not to sleep didn't make it. Because they, you know, absolutely just, you know, ran out of juice on the bike. So even on the long road, you can learn stuff that you can use during tax season or on your everyday job. Okay, so what, how long does it take to ride 150 miles a day? How many hours is that? Well, it, it, it depends on uh, the terrain. Uh, Hot it is, uh, like, you know, to ride 150 miles in the mountains, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's going to take, you know, 15 hours or so. Uh, to ride uh, 150 miles across Kansas, oh, yeah, you know, 10, maybe less, um, so, you know, with a tailwind. <laughs> maybe less, yeah. so, uh, so part of it is, I think you're asking the right question in the right way. It's not a matter of time. It's a matter of energy. 
you know, over that 100 miles, 150 miles, 200 miles, you know, how are you going to spend your energy? And, and what I like to say is that life imitates long distance bike riding. Okay. Because, uh, it, you know, every morning you got to get up and you got to do life. And you have to make decisions about how hard you're going to work, when you're going to work, and how much you're going to eat, and how much you're going to sleep, and who you're going to ride with, and what, how you're going to think, and what jobs you're going to do, and so on. So, you know, uh, you look at the ride and you say, uh, is it the desert? Is it mountains? Is it plains? Which way is the wind blowing? Is it raining? You know, and, and those are the same things that you face every day. Uh, your point that you made earlier is a good one. You know, uh, uh, how long does it take you to get something done? Well, in a day with no interruptions? And, you know, no fire drills and, you know, <laughs> and no crises, <laughs> you know, piece of cake. I get this all done in the morning. All right. Uh, and a day with a lot else going on, maybe a little longer. But then you, you, you're you watching, well, where are my energy flows going? You know, um, when I uh, do a ride, I look at the profile of the ride. Where are the mountains? Is this going to be all uphill for 75 miles and then all downhill <laughs> for the rest? Well, hey, you know, I know how to behave and I know what to do with my energy then. You know, I know when the demand is going to be. And at the end of the first 75 miles, I'm going to be pretty tired. But I know that the next 75 is downhill. So I'm not worried about being tired halfway through. You know, I'm not ready to quit because I know the terrain and I know the kind of demand. And I've done this before. And same thing. You know, people have gone through tax season many times before. So then the question is, all right, how am I going to make it different this time through? How will I make it so that I'm really thinking about my energy and not just my time? You know, I mean, I, I've been in firms where, you know, the managing partner stands up before tax season and says, all right, now, you know, just allow 60 hours a week. It's just going to be 60 hours a week. Everybody. And, and, and I wonder, well, how, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean. If, 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 if I was on his staff doing tax returns, I would have to be working, you know, a hundred hours a week <laughs> to get done what a good CPA can do in 30, you know? So, you know, uh, how do you know, how do you decide that? And I think a lot of people go in the tax season, just assuming it's going to take what it's going to take because and it will, if you do it the way you've always done, <laughs> but maybe it'll be different this year. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, and actually, I I, I, I really in, have enjoyed this conversation because it's got me thinking about how I need to restructure my day. Obviously, for, for me, I've got a, I've got a few gigs in January. Then my business tails off, and that's the time that I work on new programs. Uh, I'm going to start a new book. I've got I got a, a lot of different writing to do, and I will get up and I will do I will tackle that stuff first thing in the morning and, and get just concentrate on that to about like eleven eleven thirty, and then worry about everything else in the other part of the day because that's when I'm I'm at my peak energy and being able to see that landscape out there uh, and adjust to it. Yeah. And for those of you who are listening to this, put it to work, put Greg's Greg's, uh, words to work and share this podcast with anybody who you see needs a little extra boost in energy, because uh, I I think these are, these are real strong um, uh, suggestions and it starts with sleep. And I, I'm when my wife listens to this episode, she's going to say, "Pete, you tell me all the time, sleep's overrated. You can sleep when you're dead." Uh, yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to be eating some serious crow now, uh, <laughs> because now I'm I'm going on the I need to get my eight or or actually maybe even because I have like something about two o'clock, and I think it's with everybody something about two o'clock, and I think at two o'clock I'm I'm 
I've got I, my office is in the basement, and it's kind of like a, almost like a little apartment. I'm gonna go over on the couch and uh, curl up for about. 20, 30 minutes, take a little nap and, and, and re- recharge those, those batteries. And Greg, I mean, I can't thank you enough for taking time. And just so everybody knows, he is dressed right now in his cycling attire, bright, bright orange with some bright blue going through it. And it looks like, how many miles are you riding today, Greg? Well, I don't know. Uh, it's going to be a pretty nice day. It's going to be in the 40s, know, probably 30, 40, just to, you know, keep the legs loose. <laughs> <laughs> just, to keep, just to keep the legs loose. Wow. Well, Greg, thank you so very much for taking time out of your day and, and sharing this wonderful knowledge with, with my audience. It's going to make a huge impact on their productivity. It's going to make a huge impact on my productivity. And I look forward to a future conversation with you, my friend. Great. There's a lot to talk about. Talk to you soon. Take care, Pete. Take care. I hope you enjoyed our conversation on energy management. And now Greg provided a number of tips on how to manage your physical and intellectual energy, especially during those times when work consumes our lives. He does address low energy ebb that occurs around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. One of his tips is to take a power nap. Now, I've adopted the power nap, and I'm seeing positive energy results the rest of the day. This may be something that you want to introduce to your workplace to help increase your productivity. Also, visit Greg's website at www.morepersonalenergy.com. In thinking about this episode, I'd like to suggest that you go back and listen to episode 10 with Kevin Tipton, who's a professor in sport, health, and exercise science at the University of Stirling in Scotland. Kevin discusses some simple exercises that you can do to help generate more energy during the day. Also, in episode 14, Tammy Gayton, who is the founder and CEO of Gayton Wellness, LLC, She gives a number of nutritional tips to help you increase your productivity. You can also visit my website at petermargaritas.com slash resources and read three recent articles that I wrote about preparing for busy season. The articles are three critical areas of personal well-being during busy season and communication will matter this season and manage your busy season with a dose of humor. Also visit my blog at petermargaritas.com slash Pete's hyphen blog to read two recent blog postings. Be the leader your team needs this season and your busy season sitcom. I wish you all great success in energy, exercise, and nutritional management this busy season. Now this was a fun and informative interview and I hope you enjoyed it. I would like to ask you for a favor. If you like this episode, would you go out to iTunes and write a review? In return for writing a review, I will send you a free copy of my book. Now that's a deal. So after you write the review and it posts on iTunes, send me an email at peter at petermargaritas.com with your mailing address and I'll send you a signed copy of my book. Now in episode 36, I interviewed Jeff Jackson, who is a recovering accountant who understands the power of sales and is one hell of a dad. Jeff is a contributing author to the book, Go Ask Your Dad, questions, answers, and stories about fathers, fatherhood, and parenting. So until next time, remember to use your improvisational skills in helping navigate this very busy time of year.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.